Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon of Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, and I am joined today by some of the guys. We have resident old man Clark Barnes and the ginger woodsman Nick Butterford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Clark was not prepared for a quick intro. <laughs> I'm, I'm good, too, Pete. How are you? I am well. I, I I shouldn't have called you the ginger woodsman uh, since you are very, well, not clean shaven, but you are shaven. So the, the woodsman thing was from when I chopped my finger with an ax. Well, also for when you had a big old beard. Uh, so I, I feel like it worked both ways. It, okay. you know, it worked on many levels. And that's the sign of a good nickname is one that works on numerous levels. We have with the 2021 is now officially upon us and thus the NFL fantasy NFL season. Even if you're a crazy psychopath who plays in a league in which you had a week 17 fantasy championship for whatever damn reason, uh, that's all done. It is officially over. And as such, we are going to commemorate and look back on the 2020 season and, uh, hand out some awards. It's going to be our annual fantasy football awards show. Um, before we get into that, though, I do want to quickly introduce us and introduce the listeners to a new segment this offseason called Benemy Watch. Eric Ben, is it the enemy? The enemy. Mark knows how to do this. Eric being a meanie? Being a meanie? I thought it was being a meanie. I like being a meanie. I like being a meanie. That's good. He's a running backs coach, so that seems to check out. Be in a meanie watch. Uh, the Falcons and Lions have both had interviews with the uh, Chiefs offensive head offensive coordinator for their head coaching spot, Eric Bieniemy, and the Jets want an interview. So now, with no news from the Texans front, we go live to Clark Barnes for his thoughts. Doesn't matter who starts first; it's just who finishes first. Why would you want to coach the Jets? Why would anyone want to coach the Jets? I I can't answer that question. Um, I I think like their infrastructure is really not that bad on the offensive side of the ball. Like you got Makai Becton locked in as a left tackle forever. The receiving core is like, is really kind of loaded. And I mean, is that why they're picking second this year? Because they're so good (laughs) fundamentally. I didn't say they were good fun of acts. <laughs> they have Adam Gase got them here. I mean, I like, mean, all, all, all on Clark's board, the Texans, they're not even picking until the third round. So that's a sign of a truly elite team. Like if you true. don't even they have won. a first or second round pick, that is Touché. a good fucking yep. team. That's because they won so many games. It's because exactly. they actually, they yeah, that's right. That's a good point. They got no, placed I mean, out of the first like, and second round. Denzel Mims, the, the slot receiver duo, Perryman, Chris Herndon, like, who friggin' knows with with Gates? 
I think if, and, and again, Makai Becton, like, I think if you get a decent head coach in there, you could, we would, we would all get to know if Sam Darnold sucks or not. Sure. Like, I, yeah. I think, you know, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Like, I, I, I think that there, it, it is a spot that you wouldn't mind working at. I just think I would, for, from, from me to Clark and from me to like the, football gods and like wanting to not have Deshaun Watson waste away doing absolutely nothing for, you know, or doing everything for a team that absolutely does nothing. I mean, let's, 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 let's move. Let's have Eric B move from the number one quarterback in the league to the number three quarterback in the league right now. I don't I mean, yeah, there are pretty- a couple of spicy coaches out there who uh assistants who may become coaches this year i was looking at uh, bill's offensive coordinator brian dable that mm. might be an interesting one so i do think Biennemi is the big get just because the andy reed coaching tree seems to have had some success especially recently uh unlike some other coaching trees from the northeast uh so it's exciting but texans uh texans are gonna have to try hard to screw this one up and i am sure that they will <laughs> And it is uh, going to happen at some point. And that is a delight for everyone. Wade Uh, Phillips, everybody. We're hiring Wade Phillips again. (laughs) Head coach. Bring him back. Good. Well, that was the enemy watch 2021. We'll have that running throughout the off season because it's an important uh, narrative to watch. Now on to the main event. As we conclude the 2020 fantasy football season it is time for our annual award show the fantasy football awards for the year show or better known as the farties we have six categories this year fantasy mvp fantasy rookie of the year best waiver wire ad breakout player of the year biggest bust and finally the player i will not draft in 2021 now I listed them in that order. We will not be doing them in that order because I know how to get the people to listen. So we're going to save fantasy MVP because everyone wants to know who we think is the fantasy MVP. So let's start off then with maybe a hot debate, maybe not a hot debate, but the best waiver wire ad for 2020, Nicholas, who has won this award for you this year? I tip my hand to the guys <clears throat> before the show on this one. And I promise dear listeners, this is the only one I've done. So with. for me, it's James Robinson. And part of it is a, a mea culpa because when he was, when it was realized that he was going to be the starting guy, I dismissed him. I said, I, you know, even though he is a lead back, I don't want to invest in a running back who is on a, a bad team. Someone who's not going to have a lot of scoring opportunity in the red zone. I drastically underestimated the uh, the value that he would bring via the passing game, and uh, you know I, I was I was down on Chris Thompson for the majority of my uh, fantasy analyst career, and I don't know why I thought that suddenly Gruden was really I mean he was he suddenly going to come in and have a have a role. Yeah, but I I think I put too much stock into Gruden bringing with him one of his favorite uh, running backs and, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, James Robinson, I mean, I've, I've quoted this before. I think he, he only had, I believe one game this year or maybe, maybe two, uh, where he did not go under 10 points in, uh, in half point PPR. 
scoring and like uh, that kind of consistency is just yeah so he had in in week one it was 9.5 and a week five it was 7.5 outside of that he had double digit numbers every single week and like I if you were able to get that guy early on you got yourself the overall running back five but that's that's incredible um so yeah it's James Robinson for me yeah I fully agree James Robinson is the clear the clear winner in my book if you can get a top five fantasy running back off waivers then that is that is a a difference maker clearly and obviously and so that is that is well a production well worth the uh the award a compelling case and he has won a different award for me i went with a little bit more of a traditional waiver wire pickup someone who was totally unexpected and uh ended up really helping your team get into the fantasy championship and that's christian mccaffrey's backup mike davis who uh, was not on anyone's radar, was not going to be the starter, and zero people were injured. And then all of a sudden, Christian McCaffrey gets injured, and you end up with, I think, like the RB8 or something like that. So Mike Davis was my very traditional uh, come-out-of-nowhere waiver wire out of the year. I like that a lot, too, because in, in that instance, you can expect, or it's very possible that that backup running back isn't going to perform at the level that you are anticipating from the starters. So like we saw that with the giants, right? Wayne Gallman was had put together a few very good games for you and and was a solid fantasy back, but he wasn't Saquon Barkley. He wasn't replicating what Saquon Barkley was presumably going to do. And it took some time before the giants ultimately even like gave Wayne Gallman the, the amount of work that was required for him to be a, a, you know, RB two in fantasy. And so having Christian McCaffrey go down and then Mike Davis just comes in and takes all of that work and produces at a high, high level. Like I know Becca, excuse me. She had Christian McCaffrey lost him, added Mike Davis and really didn't miss a step. And, and that's, that is not, uh, not easy to do. Not something that often happens when you have a, a number one player go down. I think this is a fair case to make. Uh, He certainly had that like mid season run of six or whatever games was you know like top three top five production uh pretty frequently so yeah I, I i think davis deserves that all right let's go on to fantasy rookie of the year uh and i will start us off here i did not go with james robinson i instead with ju- went with justin jefferson from the minnesota vikings he is the wide receiver six half point ppr he averaged 17.1 points per game he had five 20 plus uh, point games. And the biggest thing uh, that I liked, and that this is what I was using as my real gauge, what pushed someone over the edge uh, in terms of, in terms of winning an award is how they perform for you for the fantasy playoffs. And while Justin Jefferson did not put like record numbers on the board during those fantasy playoffs, he did perform at a high, at a level that you wanted needed him to do despite facing the bucks the bears and the saints uh in those final three weeks you know week what are 14 15 and 16 on the schedule so the fact that he came in got it done for you throughout the year but then also was able to still perform against really tough defenses when it mattered the most uh i'm giving my award to justin jefferson plus also wanting to send out some good vibes to see if whether or not he ultimately will get the uh rookie of the year in actual nfl Yeah, I like it. He wasn't uh, necessarily an out-of-nowhere rookie, but he wasn't someone that a lot of people were uh, really talking about in fantasy circles before the year started, going in to replace the Stefan Diggs role, which a lot of people, including myself, uh, felt like 
was a role that shouldn't exist in that offense or that was really just unnecessary with Gary Kubiak's track record of really just featuring one wide receiver. Jefferson comes in and absolutely lives up to his pedigree. Uh, It's really hard for wide receivers to just constantly have like 80 yards in a touchdown games, but relatively consistent bouncing between just mediocre games, 50 ish yards two really awesome league tilting games of 130 plus yards and a touchdown. Uh, So just really impressed with Jefferson. He didn't get this award for me, but he is on the board. Uh, To pivot away from, from doubling up here too much. uh, My pick was also going to be Justin Jefferson, but I, uh, for the sake of I are on the same, same wavelength we've shared. We're copying off of each other's lists. I want to give honorable mention to Antonio Gibson. Uh, for those of you who added him and waited patiently for the time that he was healthy before he suffered the turf toe injury, you got like game breaking weeks out of him. And it was a whole lot of fun. Uh, the the patience. It's fun when you when you believe in a player and you take your time, you bide your time and then it finally hits. And yeah, anyway, when the Gibson hits uh, honorable mention in Antonio Gibson. Yeah, yeah I James was just Robinson was my rookie of the year. Just the, the the whole season, you know, start to finish, really, really incredible. And Nick, like you mentioned, doing it on such a bad team, even more impressive. Yeah, yeah. I and it's it's funny just to, because of the fact that like you you said you know that Justin Jefferson didn't come out of nowhere, but certainly wasn't a high pedigree guy. And it's like it is. This just shows you how wildly. I mean. James Robinson was also a rookie for the best waiver wire ad. And then for, for the actual best rookie of the year award, like the guys who we talked about, none of them were CD lamb, Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jonathan Taylor, who I think Jonathan Taylor was in contention that that second half of the season for him was just, you know, incredible. He finally kind of put it all together, but it's just one of those things, you know, the NFL draft doesn't always lead to, you know, where guys are taken in the draft doesn't always lead to where guys perform uh, both in real NFL, but also in, in fantasy. And so often it's, it's those guys kind of, you know, maybe a little bit lower in the draft to stumble into uh, massive roles and a lot of production, which I thought for sure was going to be um, Vaughn. What was Ke- Kenyon Vaughn? Ken, Keyshawn I just want to say Vince Vaughn, but it's not Keyshawn Vaughn thought for sure that that Keyshawn Vaughn was going to be like, God was going to be a top, running back with Tom Brady, but he wasn't. So anyways, good reminder this year, paying attention early and making roster moves early can indeed pay off. We get married <laughs> to the guys that we draft even in like the eighth, ninth, 10th round. And it's nice to have some reminder years like this year where it's like, you might want to cut that guy loose for that starter. All right. We're halfway through our award set. And so we are going to announce our fantasy MVP for the year. Clark, why don't you start us off with your nomination and pick for the most valuable player in fantasy football this year? So this is a tough one. MVP always has a lot of different criteria that you could choose. Uh, But I'm going with the person who was ranked number one at their position and finished number one at their position and still outperformed expectations by even their biggest trumpeters. So fantasy MVP for me this year is Travis Kelsey. Uh, the tight end position is just absolutely bereft of talent. There's three guys who were good and one of them was hurt for half of the year. Kelsey performed like an all-star wide receiver this year at a position where most of the time you're just praying for 10 yards and a touchdown. And he did it all year breaking records, just 
unbelievable season out of Kelsey at like a pretty, pretty old age. <laughs> yeah. I had Kelsey as my fantasy MVP as well. He finished as a wide receiver four, I think in half point PPR, which is just also like incredible, but he gave you week in week out the advantage at the tight end position. And then, as I said, for rookie of the year, I added extra weight to the fantasy playoffs and what he did for you. Here's what Travis Kelsey did for you when it mattered most between weeks 13 and week 16, 136 yards and a touchdown, 136 yards and a touchdown, 68 yards and a touchdown, 98 yards and a touchdown. Like the guy just, you know, put it to put his best work forward when you needed him the most and was terrific all year long and wild, like just gave you the biggest advantage because no other tight end even sniffed what he was doing. So I, I also give this award to Travis Kelsey. So, cause you guys went with the same one. I'm going to do two people really, really quickly. Uh, number one, two I really dudes at the in, same time. Good work, Nick. Uh, Nick Batterford. I, I, I buy into the narrative uh, strongly that, uh, and I, Clark, I, I do think we disagree on this, but I, I kind of tend to believe in the idea that you can lose uh, your your league in the first round. Uh, excuse me. If you basically, if you screw up in the first, you're effed. And McCaffrey owners, if you manage to like survive this year, then that's really awesome. Um, the guy that I really like from that first round is Dalvin Cook. He finishes the overall running back two, 315 points, which was 21 behind. Uh, Alvin Kamara. Um, Alvin Kamara only got that because he scored six fucking touchdowns like in in week 16. So it's like Dalvin Cook was the RB1. So don't don't look at the rankings to be like, oh, Dalvin, like Dalvin Cook earned the RB1 nod. Yeah, there's he one had, dissenting opinion on the podcast. On that. He, <laughs> had, Go ahead, Nick. he had one. He had one uh, single-digit half-point PPR game, which I again I just think that that counts for so much. And he only missed two games. I mean, for Dalvin Cook, that's that's pretty. That's like a pretty damn healthy season. And I think if you drafted him, you might have even been expecting like ten to twelve. So for those of you who drafted him, and I for injury concerns, I, I put him closer to the like uh, back half of the the first round. I think that that was a pick that you know, you, you were just so steady in getting a shit ton of points from your running back one spot that I, I really like that. Uh, but the guy who I, I really do want to give this award to is Stefan Diggs. I was very low on him. I, I really bought into the narrative uh, of, of how difficult it is for wide receivers to change football teams. Now, of course, I also trumpeted uh, Josh Allen as like the contender for highest scoring quarterback. Uh, one, because of Brian Dable, because he is a, a friggin' play calling genius. Um, two, because of, you know, the goofy training stuff where he's training with Cam's ex uh, uh, trainers and, and what have you, uh, but also just adding a deep threat was going to be really good for him. And Diggs showed that he is so fucking good that he can just do what even a guy like Antonio or uh, Odell Beckham Jr. can't right, like right off the bat. I mean, his, his route running is so insanely, ta- is so insanely good. Uh, his, his footwork, I mean, there's no, no concerns over uh, uh, his hands. Anyway, it, Diggs finished as the overall wide receiver three, 265.1 points in half point PBR scoring. And perhaps most important, importantly, even though he's a, a, a bit of a slender receiver, he was available in every game. He played every single week. You never had to worry about that. And uh, that, that counts for a lot in a 16 week season. Totally. I think those are both good candidates. And when you're looking for the MVP, you can just decide to look at it through a different lens. And then uh, an answer that was never considered becomes really obvious. I like the Dalvin Cook pick because he was the 
throw your hands up in the air and I'm picking ninth and I don't know who the hell to take. So I'll just take this injury prone guy ended up really coming through in the Gary Kubiak offense and doing what we knew that he could do and what we knew running backs could do there, which is like run through that gigantic hole and then pick up some extra yards and fall forward, scoring a bunch of touchdowns. The Stefan Diggs is really tough. Uh, from my perspective of being absolutely wrong about Josh Allen, he just all of a sudden got good at actually playing quarterback and then continued to run the ball. Well, uh, it, he, he had a fantastic year. Stefan Diggs went to a new team and, and did what we saw Stefan Diggs do for several years before, but I always kind of expect a bit of a drop off when wide receivers do that because that happens a lot. It didn't happen to him. So I think both of those are fantastic candidates for a runner up to the obvious Travis Kelsey. Stefan Diggs through your fantasy playoffs from week 13 to week 16. He had 92 yards against the 49ers and then 130 yards in a touchdown, 147 yards, and then 145 yards and three touchdowns in week 16. If you were in your championship, like good God, Stefan Diggs, <laughs> control yourself. Also, I am. Well, I'll save this for when we talk about players who were never drafting ever again in our lives. Uh, <laughs> all right. Before we move on to our final three awards that we are handing out, we are going to take a quick ad break. So stick around. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, we are back and let us start with breakout player of 2020. Nick, why don't you start us off? So this one was cool because we talked about this guy a lot. I called him as uh, the man to outscore his teammate, Julio Jones. Uh, that was Calvin Ridley. And uh, I, I believe I even got on our bold predictions episode. Yeah, I, I said I called him as a top five finish. And he took the overall wide receiver four spot. So for me, breakout player, Calvin Ridley. Uh, I think it's really amazing what he's done. Um, his route running ability was never really in question, but his his measurables – were his athleticism overall is subpar, but where he excels is the the short the 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 quick burst, the change of direction. Like you look at his his uh, NFL combine drills, and you can see how he is this player. His ten yard split is very good. His three cone drill is very good. His uh, short shuttle is very good. He's he's an outrageously fast person on like cutting on a dime, and you can see that when you watch when you watch him just break a cornerback's ankles while he's running routes, it's like, yeah, I, I can see this. We, we should have been able to know this was going to be the case. Um, and anytime, you know, I'm speaking a bit hyperbolically and he had some help uh, with Julio's hamstring, but you know, watching a guy overtake Julio Jones is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty damn impressive. Uh, so my breakout player of 2020 is Calvin Ridley. 
And it just goes to show that like this recent draft trend is one that needs to like teams need to take note of, of like when an all-star was like one of one of one of one of the best wide receiver prospects falls to you in the draft, regardless of what wide receivers you have draft them. Like that's what the Falcons did with Calvin Ridley. The, uh, the Cowboys did it with CD lamb, like just stockpile on these guys because you never know like Julio's, has been terrific, but this year has been really just struggling with injury and you don't know what he's going to be like in the future. And now you have Calvin Ridley, who's emerged as whatever, a top 10 wide receiver of the league. And same thing with the Cowboys, like CD lamb has been phenomenal along with Amari Cooper. So it's just like, I, I just think that teams are now just going to just add wide receivers. However, wherever they could really, this is just me like venting because all these teams have these great wide receivers and the Patriots are like, Jacoby Myers is our wide receiver one. You love it. I mean, I love Jacoby Myers, but come on, not a wide receiver one. Yeah, I really struggled with this one and went with Justin Jefferson, but I would like to change my answer to Calvin Ridley. That's a much better candidate (laughs) because he's been around Justin Jefferson, like breakout as a rookie. They already have their awards and all that stuff. But Calvin Ridley is someone who has definitely performed well and has been on the radar. But then, like you said, took a huge step this year and partially thanks to Julio's injury, but but even when Julio was healthy and playing, Ridley was still kicking ass out there. So I am changing my vote to Calvin Ridley. Sounds good. Well, I'm going to pull a Nick then, and I'm going to talk about two guys quickly. Two guys, one time. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll start with Corey Davis for the t- for the Titans. He was pretty much just considered an afterthought in that offense along with A.J. Brown. And then he came onto the scene, finished what? I think top – I have 29th. Uh, wide receiver 29 and half point PPR, which is just like phenomenal for what you are drafting him as. Uh, and he had the run where he was arguably the wide receiver one in Tennessee. It's just something where it's, we've seen now that he has taken that step to be the, I think, eighth overall pick that he was drafted as. And the two of him, him and, and AJ Brown are going to be a terrific duo moving forward. Uh, except for the fact that the Titans didn't pick up his option. So now they got to sign him to a big ass deal, which is just funny to me uh, until the Patriots get him. I, everyone, every wide receiver is going to new England this year. Just FYI, you guys uh, also. So I, I like Corey Davis as that one, because I think he more in lines with like someone who there were expectations for in the past, but now, and this year, finally everything clicked a guy who just kind of break out in the sense that like he came from literally nowhere. JD McKissick wasn't even drafted in like any league and he's the running back 20 in half point PPR averaging seven targets per game out of nowhere. Um, and I know we have been high on this, especially Nick, Nick was high on JD McKissick early in the, or, you know, on this throughout the season. And so I just want to give him some, not some props for coming out absolutely out of nowhere to be a top 20 running back uh, is, is wildly impressive for a guy who didn't even really run the ball. He just was the number one wide receiver or number two wide receiver behind Terry McLaurin in, uh, in Washington. So I had to, I had to pause there for a second, just to uh, double check this. Something that I want to point out. Okay. Is JD McKissick was a Seattle Seahawk from 2016 to 2018. Mike Davis was a Seattle Seahawk from 2017 Mm. to 2018. Now did that stop Pete Carroll from drafting Rashad Penny in the first fucking round for 2018? When he had these guys on his roster for a total of three years, no, it didn't. It didn't stop him from fucking doing that. And God damn, like if you think running backs matter, 
They don't. There are plenty of talented backs that you can sign anywhere. Oh, it's just what a colossal. It is a colossally moronic pick to have selected uh, Rashad Penny at the end of the first round. Whoa. How about that Darwin Thompson? Speaking of <laughs> running backs who've been wait, like I have been waiting and it's lighting a candle for Darwin Thompson for three fucking years now. What what happens? He he what gets happened? to play a little bit. He looks really really good. So you just wonder why he can't play in Kansas City, and is someone going to sign him? I guess next year because he was in the seventh round, so he should be coming up on his contract. He should be coming up, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a Good delightful trend. That's a delightful transition into our biggest busts for 2020. Uh, and talking about the chart, uh, the Chiefs' backfield. For me, Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, biggest bust of the year. People were drafting this guy in the first round in leagues. Regularly, he was a top 15 pick. Everyone was super hyped. Everyone was like, this is the rookie running back to get. He is going to come in onto the scene and just light it on fire. I feel like people were already slating him in for like Alvin Kamara-esque comp, where it's like he's going to get it done on the ground. He's going to get it done through the air. Uh, He finished the running back 22. And not because of injury. He only missed two games that that actually mattered fantasy-wise still running back 22 scored over 20 points once this year uh just had an aversion to the to the end zone he had one game where he scored multiple touchdowns other than that he just didn't do anything outscored by David Johnson Naheem Hines Ronald Jones the aforementioned JD McKissick um so when you're spending a first round pick or even a, even if it's like the back end of this or this you know start of the second round in the snake if you're spending on your RB1 or someone who you want to be that, and they show up not even basically being a, a fringe RB2, that's not great. No one cares about Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So you're not wrong. I have some Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and I feel like for a rookie, he did just fine. The expectations, I think, really got out of hand. And so under that, guys, I. I don't think it's a bad pick for a bust of the year. I went with something much more boring with uh, someone who I I trumpeted as you shouldn't do this, even though it's a second or third round pick, you shouldn't do this. And that's Kenyon Drake, who was a disappointment all year long that you never got to cut and never really got to play. Those are the worst kinds of players. I'd rather my guy get hurt and be out for the season because at least then you know that you need to replace him. Guys that just are an anchor on your roster are the worst. And that was Drake this year. Especially because Kenyon Drake, let me bring up, let me bring up his actual numbers. Kenyon Drake did the the did the absolutely soul crushing thing where kind of like doesn't really do anything up until week six. Then he has one big game against the Cowboys. Then again, doesn't really do anything. And then like week 12 through 14 puts together some good games. And you're like, oh, good. This is the Kenyon Drake of old. Now I'm ready for the fantasy playoffs. And then he just nukes and just does nothing after that. So it's like, it's not even that there's he's gives you a a lengthy period enough where you want to drop him. It's just like, ah, he kind of stinks, kind of stinks, kind of stinks. Looks really good. You, you, he's won your favor again. And then kind of stinks, kind of stinks, kind of stinks. And then, you know, keeps spiking at the worst for time. So you can never actually drop him. That is a very good pick Clark. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I think Cliff Kingsbury, man, I starting to think he's, he's not that bright of a guy. Um, it, the, the usage with the backfield was very weird. 
if you want to preserve uh, or looking towards the future, I think you you kind of bubble wrap Chase Edmonds, let him continue to develop and use this guy as your featured back at the you know next year when when Kenyon Drake is gone. You just put a bunch of tread on on Edmonds tires. Anyway, I think it was a bizarre, yeah, bizarre year and, and a big letdown. Uh, my best bust of 2020 is Lamar Jackson. For much of this season, he was uh, really a, a, a big letdown. If you, you look by, uh, you look at his game by game splits. And I mean, he was like lucky to be putting up uh, over like 18 points up until after he got COVID and, and, and came back from COVID in, in week 13. Um, when you're, and I don't really remember the ADPs being like this. I'm looking at fantasy football. It is, calculator. His, I did the same thing and it's like stupid high. Yeah, he's at, he's at 108, which, I mean, I I have a tough time taking a quarterback before round 10, so this is my, you know, bias showing here. But I do think that this is a testament to uh, the value that can be found at the position, you know, even if you don't want to wait as long as me. Um, I, you know, he finishes the QB 10. He had some really great weeks at the end of the season, but first round for a quarterback is egregiously too high for me. Yeah, it was the debate between him and Patrick Mahomes. Like, if you're going to spend a super early pick on quarterback, it was between one of those two guys. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes was far more consistent than Lamar. Yeah, that's a good pick. If memory serves, the question for Jackson and Mahomes was kind of end of second round-ish. I don't want to argue with fantasy football calculator, but their uh, record keeping has some some minor flaws that are just nice to keep in mind if it's not perfect. But uh, towards the third round uh even for someone like me who is absolutely an advocate for picking the onesies positions early if the uh, opportunity presents itself about the third round is you know was really good for lamar jackson and picking your qb that high and then getting that kind of performance really disappointing maybe he'll uh go to summer camp with josh allen's quarterback coach this (laughs) year and learn how to pass again Imagine if that was just your gig. Like, how do I get this gig of just being able to like coach bad or quarterbacks who struggle throwing the football and then get a miraculous turnaround for them? Well, you, I, you were Tom Brady's game. quarterback coach once. Isn't there like nine that, guys still making a living off of that? I'm sure there are. That's all you need. You just need to coach Tom. Tom Brady, who's 43 years old and just threw for 40 touchdowns. Yeah. Adam Gase is still making a career off of just being around Peyton Manning <laughs> for two years. <laughs> Oh man, I'm really sad. Jordan's not. Him. Yeah, and good for him. I'm really sad Jordan's not here because uh, John Elway just basically like promoted himself and is now hiring a GM. And I feel like there's a really good joke there to be made that John Elway is just going to look for every retired six foot six plus quarterback to play GM for him. How about Tom Brady this year? I mean, how about good it? Fantasy season, some yeah. struggles, but pretty good. What did he finish as? He finished as the QB seven. eight, and seven, eight. Yeah. And I hate to give Tom Brady compliments, but he did well. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the playoffs with that Bruce Arians offense and no question the best wide receiver core in the NFL. As long as Mike Evans can play, man, that hyperextended knee looked bad. And didn't look, hopefully he'll be back and able to play. I don't know. I'm kind of, and this isn't just to like win favor with my wife. I'm kind of feeling that this is the Packers year. Aaron Rodgers is just playing stupid good. One, right. of, the more, 
remarkable. Oh. Sorry, this it just blows my mind. One of the more remarkable things that Aaron Rodgers did this year is he learned how to play uh, in play action. That had always been something that he was really bad at. And sure. um, like he had like larger play action versus non-play action splits uh, in the negative manner uh, than Patrick Mahomes does. And like Mahomes is just this outlier who can just massacre right. defenses at will. Um, but yeah, he uh, Rogers always struggled in, in play action and he talked openly about it. He, he didn't like doing it because he didn't like turning his back to the defense. Mm-hmm. And I, this year, as of like a few weeks ago, I think he had like 15 touchdowns off of play action. I and mean, it, that offense is, it's, it's like rivaling. I mean, you can tell it's Matt LaFleur, like coming from the Titans, but like it is the Titans level of like precision efficiency passing. <laughs> I think Clark and I might have something to say. About I disagree completely. I <laughs> yeah. think that it's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play figured out a system that fools linebackers is good for you and you should not be so stuck. Yeah. It's a precision so, passing game. And Devontae Adams, really good. Yes. So just Devontae heads Adams up to should be. heads up to NFL GMs. If you have a really good quarterback and an absolutely dominant wide receiver, you probably shouldn't trade that wide receiver for a sack of peanuts <laughs> and a washed up running back. Eric Enemy would never make that trade. Side side on the dotted line, Eric Enemy never makes that trade. Anyway, yeah, it's it's just it's been really impressive seeing um, an old dog learn a new trick. I, I think we see this stuff a lot more at different positions. Like we'll see a receiver sure. who finally puts yeah. it together. So I was thinking about this today, and and like Brandon Lloyd is a name who who came to mind. Where this dude didn't do a whole lot for much of his career, and then had like four just crazy years or three crazy years, mm-hmm. and it's that you know they figured out how to play the game, and it's it's wild that Rodgers is in like his fifteenth season or whatever it is. And it took him until now, basically, just because he said, fine, I'll do it. And because he, he didn't want to freeze. He's a curmudgeon. Like, yeah, he said, I don't like showing my back to the defense. I don't like not seeing the, the, like the edge rushers. And finally, he just said, okay, I'll figure it out. And, it and then he puts out, together like an MVP he's performance. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, draft some more fucking receivers, Green Bay. God damn it. <laughs> Learn to catch a ball, MVS. Aaron Rodgers' revenge tour narrative paid off this year. So that was Big fun. time. That's yeah, true. That it did. I was, I doubted Rodgers and I shouldn't have the, the front <laughs> office is still made of idiots, but Aaron Rodgers, I shouldn't have doubted him. <laughs> I'm I, now that Derrick Henry is rushed for 2000 yards, I put 45 bucks on Derrick Henry winning MVP at like, whatever it was basically the payout is two grand. Uh, and I'm really, I, I needed Aaron Rodgers to not have a great game against the bears I don't think I don't think I'm going to get it. I think Aaron Rodgers is a lock to win MVP this year. I I thought if Derrick Henry was going to hit that 2K, he would have would have had it no problem, and he did. He rushed for 250 yards to get it, which is just absurd. I know. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that bet. That's a good bet. When you see something that's like 60 to one, just take the bet. Take the bet. All right, let's wrap up our awards. Player, I'm not drafting in 2021. Clark, start us off. Who earns this award for you? So I, I, I struggle with this because at, at a certain cost, I'll take almost anyone. And so I just kind of spun it around upside down on its head. Uh, Josh Allen, because people are going to be talking about him like they did Lamar Jackson last year. And I'm just not going to pay the price for him. It's not a condemnation on him. It's just me saying I'm probably going to lay off the early quarterback thing for a while. 
I don't like my answer, but there you go. Because I can't say fucking Derrick Henry. I keep being wrong about him. He keeps killing it, and that's awesome. But you know, Josh Allen. Uh, that. There you go. That's that'll that'll completely throw him for a loop, and now he's going to be the you know QB fifteen next year. That's I think that that's a really good answer. Um, I like that. Yeah, I, I I like Josh Allen. My answer was going to be I don't know because it's really early. Uh, maybe Joe Mixon, but. I think Josh Allen. I think that like the case you just made there, Clark, is awesome. So I did that. You guys- I did that over and over and over with so many players, and just like so, Joe Mixon, beginning of the fourth. It's like, well, no, I'll take him. I'll take him there. And so it's like, yeah, I don't know who is gonna. I don't you know. You have a player that's just wrong to you so many times that you're just like, no, no matter what. Like if Odell Beckham is sitting there in the seventh round, I just will not take him. I will not do it because I've drafted him for the last two years, ever since he's gone to Cleveland and he hasn't even finished a wide receiver too. And I just will not be sucked into the hype this year. I just won't tolerate it anymore. And so like, even if he's, even if I can get him at my last pick, (laughs) I still won't do it. I just won't put myself through it again. Plus the fact that we saw Stefan Diggs and Deandre Hopkins switch teams this off season and put up record numbers. Uh, are we sure Odell Beckham's good? He looked a little slow before he got hurt. Yeah, he and is. To, to, to be fair, to be uh, fair, DeAndre Hopkins went to uh, play with Kyler Murray, and Stefan Diggs went to, turns out, can pass Josh Allen. Uh, Baker Mayfield, not figured really it out. looking great. He figured it out. He figured it out. It took him some time to. But it to took without to Odell. System. It took no Odell for him to figure it out, which is not a great, a great, uh, it, it, you know, thing for Odell. I think he'll be Baker back, rose right? to Kirk Cousins territory, which is <laughs> okay, right? Kirk Cousins, but... Kirk Cousins, who who just put uh, Jeff- Justin Jefferson on the map. Um, I want to say just before we go that I think Will Fuller is a candidate for nearly every category outside of the rookie specific <laughs> ones. <laughs> um, I like what a, what a uh, fucking heartbreak. What uh, an of enigma season. of a player. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't. So I, I should pass this off. Clark, what do you think of, of, of what the, the future holds for Will Fuller? If you thought you were confused at the beginning of this year, <laughs> there are even more questions now. Stay tuned just, for confusement part two. Just an injury prone season. He becomes the number one wide receiver and never really looked the part, even opposite Brandon cooks and some other, you know, good play Jordan Aikens. There's good players on the team and he had some big games, but he never really had a game where he dominated, which is just from any wide receiver one, like Justin Jefferson had like six or seven games where it's just like, you couldn't guard him. He was open. He just all game. Will Fuller never did any of that, and then he gets popped for PEDs. So while I, I mean, I don't, I don't know all the details, and I'm not trying to be a jerk, but like, so while he was cheating, he didn't look very good. Yeah, that's not great. Or he started cheating right before Week 12 when he had 171 right. yards and two touchdowns, and then like when Brian like, Cushing nah, kept this, getting popped this for PEDs, line doesn't make sense. <laughs> like when Brian Cushing kept getting popped for PEDs, at least he looked really good before it happened. 
I so right, that's coaching, who's their who's the Texans? He's their Texans strength coordinator or some shit like that. Like of no. course, of course, yes, he is. I'm pretty sure he works for the yeah. Texans staff. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's. He, yeah, no, I think that is what he does. Yeah, well, he's, he's really the, good at his job. I mean, <laughs> those guys are putting on muscle. So I, I am surprised to hear you say that you don't think that he like looked good. I mean, his 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 totals were fantastic, and I I think he took to the exposition better than a lot of folks thought he was going to. Um, and just from a, a, yeah, a pure production standpoint through the, what is it? 11 games that, uh, that he played or no, was it 12? 12. I think he got busted at week 12. Yeah. He was the, he was the the fifth highest scoring receiver in in fantasy at that point. And he, and he had a, he missed a game in week two. Um, anyway, I, yeah, that, that one's such a bummer. I mean, he was, he was wide receiver one and, uh, the year that he's he going to look healthy, he's going to look great in Green Bay catching passes from Aaron Rodgers next year. I oh god, I don't want that. I don't want to trust Matt Lafleur. If he goes to a team where your quarterback is not Deshaun Watson, I don't know. There's so many questions. There are like it's it's going to be so situation specific, and his PED stuff is going to be baked into his cost. I mean, he has to miss the first game of that year. Um, oh does he oh that's right yeah uh, so it's gonna be wild i mean I, I yeah i don't i don't know what kind of steroids you can take to make your uh yourself more stronger. flexible but i guess that's what well, he's doing <laughs> if there's anyone who knows what it's brian cushing so he's gotta stay <laughs> stay on the texans to keep bro, getting that good bro, stuff bro take this shit bro Bro, just inject it straight into your hamstrings, bro. And then do a bunch of deadlifts. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, (laughs) Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That's how you'll not only get us, but also our fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball shows. Uh, Make sure you follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Until then, peace! Hi, guys. Exciting also. I know, I know. I know. See you guys next week.